Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. I always look forward to this Sunday, the first time that I meet with, my, with our, our confirmands, because it, it is always a joy. The, uh, the energy, right, Rhonda? The energy that they have. Whew, man, it seems like it gets more and more every single year. But the energy, the passion, the, uh, the love, the, the willingness to learn, um, the, the complaining to learn that comes along with that willingness to learn at times. Uh, you know, we, we, we spent from last September until a couple of weeks ago going over the major questions of the church, the, these questions and, and understanding the answers. So I'm going to invite all of them to come forward and we're going to recite all of those questions right now. They're not even there. They're just, they're just, they're just looking at me, what? No, no, I'm not going to have you do that. But I wanted them to get to understand exactly what is it we call our faith. Well, what is it that we believe in as, as disciples of Jesus Christ? That's why we're starting a new series this week also called Be a Disciple. To understand exactly what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So as we prepare to hear God's word this morning, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you on this glorious Pentecost Sunday, a Sunday where we are reminded of how you poured out your Holy Spirit on those gathered there in Jerusalem. And God, you continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us each and every day. We pray that you give us eyes to see. We pray that you give us ears to listen to your word. And we pray that you give us ways to be in action to have that word become real in the life around us. So Lord, at this time as we gather, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the, and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So a few years ago, I was uh, in a, a big meeting with a bunch of church leaders, and we were uh, asking questions to the speaker that was on the stage. And, and one, of the, one of the guys, friends of mine that was sitting next to me, he uh, raised his hand, and they brought on the microphone, and he stood up, and he said, yeah, one of the things that we talk about as a church is that we are to make disciples. And the guy on the, on the speaker said, yeah, yes, we are. That's what we are called to do. And, you know, our mission statement of the United Methodist Church and of our church is to make disciples of, for the transformation of the world, make disciples of Jesus Christ. Boy, we need to go over that again, don't we? That's our, that's our mission, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's so important. We do have it on your bulletins, if you're here. It's written there on your bulletin, so you know what it is. So you can memorize it, and you can have that be a part of who you are. But, but here's the question, and this is the question that my friend had. What's a disciple? 
what's a disciple? And as we stood there, we could tell that the, the speaker on the stage got a little uncomfortable. He got a little uncomfortable and he says, well, I don't know. And he said, I don't know because it depends on whatever context you're in on what a, what a disciple is. And I immediately heard that. And I'm going, no, that's not right. Being a disciple does not depend on the context you're in. Being a disciple is all about who we claim as our Lord and Savior, and we follow them. The, the Greek term, already Richard's already been giving me little crib notes here and there, and he wanted to remind me that the Greek term for disciple in the Bible, what disciple means, it means it's a learner. Uh, James Bryant Smith and, and Dallas Willard, they, they have a different term. Uh, it's called apprentice, being an apprentice to Jesus. Because when we look at the, the ancient text and we look at what the original disciples were and what they did, they were apprentices to Jesus. They wanted to learn and do everything that their master has done because that's kind of the, 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 the world that they were in. You became an apprentice to do something else. Uh, a lot of the disciples were apprentice fishermen, and, and they were learning how to fish. The first two disciples that were called, uh, James, uh, Peter, and Andrew, they were, the, they, they were uh, fishermen. John, uh, see, J John and um, James, yeah, they, they were the sons of Zebedee. They were out there learning how to fish from their dad so that they can become fishermen. So, so this whole apprentice idea was great. So when they became disciples, they knew that they wanted to do exactly what their, their master was teaching them, what their master was doing. So I thought over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look about what it means to be a disciple and what disciples do. Unfortunately, I think we, we quickly run to the task that disciples do. We, we run to, well, a disciple uh, prays, it worships, uh, serves, uh, all of these type of things. You know, what our vision of the church is. Those are what disciples do, but that does not make a disciple. Those tasks are, 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 are ways that we are able to, to move forward and become disciples, but that is not what a disciple is. So we're going to hear about what it means to be a disciple. And the first thing, first scripture we're going to hear from are words from Jesus that, that he gives, and they're part of the sharing of the Holy Spirit from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have the words printed on the screen for you to follow along. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know, to, you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? 
And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Such powerful words from Christ. Such powerful words that I think every disciple must understand. That the very first thing that we must do if we call ourselves disciples, that we must know who God is. A disciple knows who God is and what God has come to, to say and what God has come to do and how God is continue active in our lives. There's, there's a quote that I, I think I've shared with you before, but it's a very important quote that I wanted to share again by A.W. Tozer, who is a very uh, a theologian. And, and he said these words, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So, so, so how we relate to who God is, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether all those things, that makes us who we are. And one of the things that we have to do as followers of Jesus Christ is that we have to tackle what are called false narratives about who God is. And if you're like me, you've had some of these false narratives that have played important roles in your life. False narratives that God is this distant God that is out there and we have no idea what he wants from us or, or what he cares about, how he cares about us. False narratives that say that all God wants to do is just to make life really hard for us and punish us when we do things that are bad. False narratives to say that God really isn't real and, and, and God doesn't really have anything to say or do about our lives. Those narratives are narratives that we see being played over and over again in our world around us. But I believe when we come to understand what it means to be a disciple, it is the most natural place to start because it helps us to understand our relationship with the one who loves us, who created us, who gave us our being, and who calls us out to be in mission and ministry to the world around us. If, if I were to take this Tozer quote and, and, and restate it, I would say it this way. A disciple is someone who thinks about God correctly. A disciple is somebody who thinks about God correctly and, and may understand that I may not have it right all the time. But I do know that God loves me, that God cares for me. God desires me to be in relationship with him and to share that relationship with others. Jesus helps us to see this, this way that we view God in our passage this morning. The very first thing that Jesus does in this passage is that it helps us to see that when we believe in God, our hearts are, are, are set free. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
Jesus is wanting his disciples to see that God is like Jesus, or, or Jesus is like God. One of my favorite activities that I've done many, many times as a youth director was that I, I, would, I would talk about who God and Jesus is, and I would put on a board the word God and the word Jesus with a line down it. And, and I would ask questions to the youth and say, okay, when you think about God, what would you say God is, or who would you say God is? And some of the words that would come out of their minds, out of their mouths would be like, well, God is judgmental. God punishes. God is uh, the old man with the white beard sitting on a cloud. And then I would ask, so what would you say about Jesus? How, how would you describe Jesus? I would get these words. Loving, caring, compassionate, healing, serving. And then I would go back to this passage. And I would say, God, Jesus tells us what God is like. Jesus says, when you see who I am, you see God. So, so you may think that God is judgment, but no, he is not. God is compassionate. God is loving. He's caring. He is like Jesus is, but we know Jesus because he is in the flesh. Jesus is serving us and, and loving us and caring for us. The God is a part of a community with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all working together. So if God is this one beautiful community together, which next Sunday is Trinity Sunday and we celebrate this, we see that God is madly in love with each and every one of us. There's this old saying that if, if God were a parent, he would have your picture that, that you, you made up on his refrigerator. I love that idea because Godly wants us to be with him. God, God desires us to be in relationship with him, to, to, to set aside all the other things in the world around us and say, God, I belong to you. And when we believe in God, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are saying that we as disciples are connected to the God who loves us and cares for us. But Jesus continues in this passage and this part is great. I love this next part of this passage. Jesus tells us that God's house has many rooms. My mother-in-law, Sandy, loved this passage. And when she passed away, she wanted us to make sure that, that we use the good old King James version of this passage. And you may be familiar with the King James version of the passage. The King James version doesn't talk about how God has, many, has a house with many rooms. It says God has a house with, with many mansions. And Sandy, she wanted to be in one of those mansions. But you know, the words that we use today really don't give us a full picture of what God is, what Jesus is trying to tell us at this moment. The Greek word that is used in this passage that, that is translated as rooms and mansion is the word monet. Later in John chapter 14, verses 15 and 16, this word appears again. 
But this word appears again as a saying that God uses, that the Holy Spirit is wanting to abide in us. The Holy Spirit is wanting to, to dwell in us. The Holy Spirit will be with us forever and, and dwell in our hearts and our minds. So this continues to let us see how much God loves us and cares for us is that he is going to set up a place for us to dwell with him forever. See, this passage is more than about a place that we are going to live in or, or what kind of house that we will have, but it's saying that God wants us right there in his house. See, th this was well known for those back in the Middle Eastern days because when a family unit, the kids started to grow up and they started to get married, they would just build on to the father's house. And, and the father would then allow that family to dwell with the father, to be a part of what the father is doing. And Jesus saying, God is so madly in love with you. He wants you to dwell fully with him. He wants you to have a place exactly with him so that you have lived with him, so you will live with him forever. You know, I've done the camp thing, and, and I've, I've uh, served as a counselor to many different camps, and I've always enjoyed hanging out with youth, but I am always ready to go home when the week is over. I, I, I'm ready just to put those youth back in the car and say, bye, I'm, I'm headed to my house. But can you imagine a God who loves us and cares for us so much that, that he's not waiting for those cars to pull up to, to take us back to our homes? God is always wanting us to dwell with him forever to allow our lives to be entwined with his life, to let his love and his glory be a part of who we are and what we do. Finally, our passage gives us the most quotable words from Jesus besides John 3.16. And these are the words in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My friends, to understand what it means to be a disciple, to understand who God is, this text is primary to us. This is the main claim of Christianity, and this is the claim that we hold on to, and this is the claim that our confirmands are stepping into on this Sunday. When we talk about the creeds, when we read scripture, when we sing songs, when we pray, it talks about the truth of God through Jesus Christ that we hold on to, that it is through Christ that we have the truth, we have the way, and we have the life. All of these things are wrapped up in him, and it is a very, very high claim. But if we are his true disciples, we hold on to that claim. We live in that claim, knowing that it is in Christ we have life. C.S. Lewis, famous writer and theologian, 
he had this to say about Christianity. He said that if Christianity of false is of no importance, and if it is true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing that it cannot be is moderately important. Christianity is completely false or it is completely true. That's where becoming a disciple comes in the line. Do we believe fully the claims that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? Or do we not believe that? But it, Christianity is more than our beliefs. It is active. We have these laws and commands that, that we follow from Jesus Christ. And, and it's more than a starting point. And it's more than in stating what we believe. But what it is, it is a participation, feeling God's affection and love and having our lives mixed and mingled with God. That's why confirmation is important. That's why this table is important. Because it helps us see and it helps us to remember who God is to us and who God is through the church and how we continue to learn in God's grace and truth to share that love for others. So we partake in the breaking of the bread and the pouring of the cup. And we remember that we continue to participate in the love and grace that God has given each and every one of us. And then we and then take the opportunity to turn and share that love with others. My hope and my prayer, especially for our confirmands today, and for all of us, is that we remember that when we come to this table, when, when we step into the walls of this church, when we then go out and share God's love with others, we repeat the promise that God has for us, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he is madly in love with us and desires us to know him as intimately and deeply as Jesus knows him. I pray that as we continue to understand and figure out what it means to be a disciple, we grow in our faith so that others may experience being a disciple through us. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your grace. And we thank you for this Confirmation Sunday. And as we come to this table, and as we are served by our confirmants, allow your grace to be poured out on us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may live our lives as your disciples, knowing that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And we pray of this in Jesus' name. Amen.